and welcome to the Dad Jeans Podcast. My name is Didon, and along with my co-hosts, Brian and Harris, each episode will try to unpack, examine, and discuss the DNA of healthy fathering. While all three of us are fathers, the road to fatherhood has been different for each of us. It's our hope that those differences and the perspectives they bring will only add to the conversation. Thanks for listening. This episode of the Dad Jeans Podcast, we talk to Dr. David Miles. We discuss healthy legacies, tips for parents from his perspective as a pediatrician, and how he approaches his role as a city councilman during times of unrest. But before we do that, let's check in. Fellas, what's good? What's going on, man? How's it going? Man, listen, the the people don't know, but I I wasn't sure if this one was going to make it. We had some tech... (laughs) But the technical difficulties are behind us, and uh, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to be together. I was together. the technical difficulty, everybody, so uh, we, we are all good now. Yeah, now, well, um, since, since, since you're already in the hot seat, Brian, what's going on? How have you hey, been? Hey, man, uh, I've, I've been good. It's so funny because it's uh, gloomy, so like the next couple of days it's going to be rainy, and uh, it's going to be tough trying to uh, build some motivation with no sun, but I can tell you, I started off this week. Um, our little neighborhood group, uh, we just all decided to eat healthy this week. And so I hit the the Monday with prepping all the meals for this week, um, limiting the processed food and uh, trying to keep things to at least three ingredients, no more than. And so this is day three of that. And so, you know, I woke up with a little bit more energy today. Um, and I've been just feeling a little bit better. And so, uh, so yeah, man, I'm, 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 I'm doing, I'm doing, I'm doing good. So give, give us an example. Was it like oatmeal and water or oatmeal and milk? So Monday morning breakfast was uh, a protein shake and, um, the lunch or the dinner for that evening was a chicken Caesar salad with grilled lemon, uh, just for flavoring. And then yesterday it was chicken mole. Uh, breakfast was some uh, special case cereal with almond milk, and so uh, just, just really, just trying to keep it simple, man. Yeah, that's what's up, man. Harris, what about you, man? It is day eight of my fast, uh, my new fasting program, uh, sixteen hours a day, and um, man, I'm gonna go for a year. You know, um, I'm sure when Mallory hears this, she's going to be like, there he go. He don't never start small. Uh, From eight to 365. Yeah, I'm, I'm, just, I'm, I'm in there. I'm in there. You know, I lost two pounds. Uh, okay. And, Congrats. You know, I got a little bit more energy. The acid reflux then, 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 then backed up a little bit. You know, it's funny. During this week, I was actually thinking, I was like, man, they know all my business. You know, they, they know my medical history. But um, I'm going to keep sharing because um, I'm pretty sure our listeners got some of this. They don't like talking about it, but that GERD is real. Uh, You'll be walking down the street. Somebody's going to say, how's that real life? And I'll be like, yo, thank you for asking, brother. Uh, (laughs) Let me tell you. (laughs) You got 20 minutes. Uh, So, nah, so the the fasting's going great. Uh, more energy. Been going walking with with the with my daughters, Mallory. That's been fun. Uh, and uh, I, I did a new recipe. I did a rosemary chicken recipe yesterday, and like the whole family loved it. I mean, Very even nice. my youngest, who got 
all the allergies in the world. Uh, car- I threw some caramelized plantains in there. Um, so yeah, I, I that whole three ingredient rule. When as soon as, as B said that, I was like, uh, so um, yeah, nah, I ain't on, I, I ain't, I'm not in his neighborhood. Is what I'm saying. <laughs> three plus, three plus plus. Man, cold. I threw parsnips you- in there. I mean, Man. wow. But you know what? Natural natural ingredients don't count, right? So okay. you know when when I had my trainer, it was you know whatever the main protein is that counts as one ingredient. And then if you decide to do some sort of some seasoning or something like that, you know, that counts as another one. Right. So we can't season it with Mrs. Dash, Lowry's garlic salt and onion salt. Right. You just got to choose one. And then when it comes to natural. Man, just like get a dobo. You- man, listen. I mean, <laughs> yes, you can do that. But it's like 48 of them in there. So you're cheating. And so <laughs> you can do it if you try it, man. Trust me. Sure, sure. I just I don't, don't want to. But um, <laughs> I don't think you know. <laughs> I, 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 hey, I tell you this. I tell you this. Next time y'all come over to the spot, I'll do a three ingredient recipe, and I tell you, you won't be able to tell the difference. Trust me. Mm. Awesome. Okay, we'll see. As as y'all talk, I'm trying to like rack my mind. I don't think I could recognize, I could identify a parsnip in the police lineup, dude. Like, I mean, he did just throw that in there. I, I didn't want to be the one to call him out. I don't think I've ever used a parsnip. I'm like, dude, I don't think I've seen a parsnip. Parsnip like, sounds like a street but, in a very affluent neighborhood. Well, that would explain why I'm unfamiliar with it. They, they look like the um, southern cousins of carrots. Oh, okay. Okay. Are they white? Yeah. A little light, a little light, a little lighter. Maybe maybe in your neighborhood. A <laughs> little lighter, a little, little heavier at the top. You know, just, just a little different. Love the South. Well, like y'all, um, and it's interesting that we're talking about this. Like y'all, I have been, my energy was feeling low. And I've, I've been working out more. I've been running. I've been riding my bike. But the reality is you cannot out-exercise a bad diet. Mm-hmm. And so... Um, I cooked for the first time today. Uh, I had, well, not for the first time, but for the first time in a long time, I made something healthy. Um, I have, I got an air fryer during the pandemic. Hey, you know, um, I'm an advocate. Listen, taquitos, man, anyway. (laughs) Um, But today, I made a rotisserie chicken. I'm just saying. Oh, listen. I I, I know it all all the way around a french fry. But I made a rotisserie chicken and, um, in the air fryer. And it was really, really good. So I'm looking forward to it. Like you, Harris, uh, it was kid approved. So I'm feeling good about myself. Um, So I was going to ask two questions. I was going to ask what do legacy, what does legacy mean to you? And what does healthy legacy mean to you? But since we're already talking about this health, this health kick, I wanted to get a quick, maybe one or two lines about what healthy legacies mean to you. Yeah. I mean, that's on the spot, but I heard the common theme of like really keeping it simple and setting a foundation that you can look back upon to say, I'm glad I did it that way. Um, you know, I don't know anything about parsnips, but in knowing that it's a vegetable, right? Um, to keep it simple is, hey, let's just throw this in the steamer and just see what it ends up tasting like. And if it doesn't taste good, we can just go ahead and just take it out of the rotation. But 
That exactly, exactly. <laughs> but no, just keep it simple, right? And look back on the foundation and say, I'm glad I did it that way. Harris, what about you? For me, it's about being agile. Um, the older I get, the more I realize life comes at you fast. Uh, so there's a there's just this element of resilience. It's probably more resilience. Resilience is the the cornerstone of this thought. Um, but the ability to be able to hold on to your core and be able to make something from nothing. You know, even uh, I went to Clark Atlanta and, um, you know, our motto is find a way or make one. And, you know, if if the future generations of my family can can lean into that and can survive and thrive because of that, I will feel like the legacy is carrying on. You know, I've I've been thinking about this, particularly in light of of this conversation and and the guest who I'll be introducing in a moment. I'm really anti-tradition. So like I'm not into any holidays. I'm not into my birthday. I'll celebrate other people's birthdays. But as for my own, it's just not a big deal. Um, And I I never had a a working definition of legacy. And I never, and and it was a, it has a negative connotation. Mm-hmm. Um, but in, in trying to own the concept and, and, and to make it mine, I think I would just say a healthy legacy is just a, hopefully like a, a healthy blueprint. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it may be something that, that Ella or Ella's kids, um, even though she's quick to tell me she won't have kids because kids are irritating, <laughs> but it, it, it's something, oh yeah, it's a whole thing. Um, Hopefully it's something that she will have a path and and that way she might opt to go a different direction, but it's there for her. Um, that's as good as I got, but um, I'm excited because um, we have a guest and um, my hope is that we can engage him and talk a little bit more about legacies and maybe, maybe we can um, amend our definitions or our definitions will stand strong. And maybe for me, I'll even get one. Um, but without, Further ado, um, I want to introduce Dr. David Miles. And um, a little bit about David. We met about 10 years ago um, on, on Capitol Hill. And since then, he's put on a lot more hats that I know he won't really tell you about. Um, he is a military veteran. He is a doctor. He is a councilman. He is a father. He is a husband. And... Um, yeah, so just just welcome, Dave, and uh, I look forward to you joining the conversation. Welcome to the show. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Happy to be here. I, uh, I, I won't lie, man. I was, I've, I've been really amped about this show. I was sharing previously with D-Dan that he's like, uh, to prepare to come on the podcast, I'm going to give you some a summary of what we do. I was like, man, I've already listened to every episode last It's a very powerful thing that y'all are doing. Uh, and I, you know, you talked about being opening up too much, but I will say, man, if you haven't experienced what you've gone through, I mean, you know, somebody who has, and what you all are doing is much more powerful than you may realize. Uh, even talking about stuff about like diet and stuff, uh, in the content, I mean, we, we can talk about this in a, in a second, but when so much is out of our control, being, you know, 
what will happen with COVID tomorrow? Are we going to reopen? Is school going to mm-hmm. reopen? You know, our health or what have you. To take control over something that you can control and um, you know experience some good outcomes. It's a it's a it's a level of mastery. It's something that you should be proud of, um, and particularly given that it's something that's going to improve your you know your longevity. I mean, there just was a report outlining that you know African Americans about twelve times more likely to die from COVID or coronavirus related illnesses, other demographics. And it's, I mean, applaud yourselves. I mean, I don't have to tell y'all this because y'all are on it, but these very deceptively simple milestones are, are important. Celebrate them, celebrate the small things and continue to do so. So keep doing what y'all are doing. I'm happy to be here. I, I appreciate it. And listen, if you saw what I ate last week, you know, I need to hear it. <laughs> I, 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 I I need to hear it, but before we uh, we get too deep, one one of the things we we like to do is we we challenge our guests to share their six word memoir. Oh boy, I've been you know I've been dreaming. So there are a few shows I've been dreaming about being on, and this is actually one of them. And I'm this is not to gash y'all up, okay? But <laughs> you know, as I was um, sharing with y'all as we were preparing to set this thing up. Um, it's cool to just in this era of, I, I don't like to use the term social distancing because we shouldn't socially distance particular for all of us, but you know, people we are dealing with mental health sorts of things and they yeah. don't, they, physical distance is one thing, but you know, I, I, that's what we should be doing. We're not socially distant, but it's, it's reinforced the importance of community. Um, and this, this is what this has given me at, at, at least, and I'm, I'm sure it's given that sense of community to others. And so I've been thinking, I was like, man, if I'm ever on this show, what would be my, <laughs> what would be my, my six word, uh, uh, Mark? Um, so I, I think it would go something like this. I'm learning what I don't know. I think that's six words. Yeah. Yep. I think that's it. Right on there. Um, I'm with it. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah. I think that's, that's, that's where I'm at. I mean, that's I'm getting old, man. Uh, <laughs> And uh, it's funny, I just met up with a cousin who's essentially like my big brother. I'm, I'm the oldest, but he's he often put me in my place, but um, re- reinforced the fact that we're old. But I'm, you know, as the older I get, as they say, the more you learn, you know, what you what you don't know, and that's mm-hmm. super important. I mean, when I was half my age, I just thought I figured it all out, <laughs> you know, and can be further from the truth. So uh, that that's where I'm at on that one. Nice. No, that's a that's a wise stance because you know the people who think they got it all figured out, yeah. But it also <laughs> goes to the fall. it. It also goes to that. Just keep it simple, right? Like the complexities of what you just said and how we approach life is just to kind of figure what is the next best step. And I'm I'm just glad you hit the nail right on the head. I mean, that's, that was that was dope. Appreciate that. I, I, I will say I have been doing. I've been working on it. So, still, still <laughs> no pressure, right? No pressure. Hey, you, you made it seem natural. You stuck the landing. <laughs> so, so listen, David. I could, I could tell them what I know about you, um, but who knows if I'd hit the important parts? Uh, what, what's important that that we should know about you? I think the one thing in all the introduction uh, that wasn't mentioned is that I'm a son. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that, I mean, I've had a lot of people who 
um, I mean, you see all the accolades and, and stuff. That stuff is 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 relatively trivial, relative to the people who got me to this point. Um, and I'm gonna come back and answer your question. But y'all began by talking about what does legacy mean, and I, I was racking my brain trying to figure out what what does it mean. But I go back to something that my grandmother in her sort of what they call mother's wit or deceptively simple stance. She was just so proud of us as uh, my brother and I'm one of two for just, just turning, I think it was 20 or 21. They lost uh, their only son when he was about 20 back in 1976. Mm. Uh, my grandparents did very religious people. And then I didn't, I don't know how you could personally, like, I don't know how you could still be as passionate in your faith when, when you bury your own, child um and there's a lot that they don't talk about but the one thing and my grandmother didn't say a whole lot but it it was very moving to her when we just age when we just got age and we're we're living and so when you ask what is healthy was a healthy legacy i just say survival which (laughs) is all the more important given what's going on present day i mean we each one of us knew about how worthless black bodies are seen by the general public we knew of stories uh of, of, of our lives being pushed out too young. I think we were just sharing prior to this, we coming on air, us coming on air that I think Tamir Rice would have graduated high school, man. And that's wow. power, like, so just making it, you mm-hmm. know, um, should be celebrated. Uh, there, there's a, another school of thoughts, like you just doing what you're supposed to be doing. Like, you, you know, you should survive, but it's not in, in this, in this, in this day and age, Again, where there's so much that we don't have control, celebrate the celebrate the simple stuff, the small mm-hmm. things. So, uh, the things that people don't know about me is that they're, they're people who have had profound influence on me, with just just the, the very simple, the fact that I had grandparents that were married on once. I think 47 years, other ones they were knocking on like 62 years of marriage. Um, you mm. know, I come from uh, parents that have been divorced. You know. Um, and I'm a product of that, like shuttling between two households. But what I can say, you know, my, my mom was the, the primary caregiver. Um, and when we lived in the same city, I would, my dad would take us on weekends. I think he was about as involved as one could be given the circumstances. Um, there certainly was, you know, uh, some tension but what I can say about my mom in particular, and both sides, my mom and dad, they never spoke ill about each other in front of us. Nice. Um, even their parents, um, my grandparents, uh, never spoke ill. My, my my father's father would often tell me how uh, unwise of a decision it was for his son to have gotten a divorce, right? <laughs> you know, saying, <laughs> you shouldn't have left her, right? She was, she was good people. But there was never a, a, an ill word spoken. And neither one of my parents or grandparents is perfect. But I think, you know, coming out of an environment where I know that, you know, in the context of what you all are trying to do with this podcast, you know, showing different aspects of parenting and how parenting can occur in uh, situations that are, you know, not what, what would no, not what we're taught should be a family, right? This sort of nuclear family. It can work, man. And I'm I'm a product of it, you know. Hmm. Um, so I'm a son. I'm a son that that of, of people who really loved and cared um, in their own way, and uh, that's that's why, why I am where I am to this day. That's powerful. Um, it it actually makes me think. One of the questions that I came up with 
is, um, you know, what does having a family enable you to create that you could not create on your own? My answer will probably come off as rather cheesy, uh, but again, perhaps it's deceptively simple. Uh, I really want to leave this place better than I found it. And I recognized after working on the campaign that uh, so I, I was I was on field. So you knock doors to get people to, to vote. And I'm pretty good as an individual. Um, like I can, you know, I was working in North Carolina, Charlotte, North Carolina. Houses spread out, but I can hit, you know, a couple hundred doors a day on my own. But in order to win, like, you know, I'm, I'm only one person. And in order to, to, to get this candidate elected, I have to recruit others to, to knock those doors with me, right. (laughs) To accomplish a goal. And I guess to answer your question, in order to create the better world that I, that I hope to leave, it's, it's not that I'll continue to work hard and, you know, as an individual, but it's how do you inspire others to uh, partner with you to share your vision? Mm-hmm. Another analogy. So one of my, one of the presidents I most look up to is going to sound atypical, but it's Jimmy Carter. Um, mm-hmm. One, because he's from the South and he was, he was kind of the underdog, right? They thought he was Southerner and they thought that what well, they knew he was a Southerner, but they thought they made sort of a, a associations of, with, of him being from the South with his intelligence. When right. they didn't realize this dude used to, you know, command submarines, which is pretty hard to do. He went to Georgia Tech as well. Hmm. He's a hard worker. This this guy took a speed reading class, uh, I think either when he was state senator or governor, just so he can read all the bills and all the... Inter- so he works hard, but one of the one of the criticisms of his administration is that he didn't necessarily work smart. Like he didn't have a group of people around him that he could rely upon to accomplish a mission. And when you're trying to prove the world, I think you really have to look to allies and like-minded individuals. And so what is it that family can do? I guess I, I extend that to look at the, the, the larger family, the, the whole human family. I, I, hmm. I, I like to think I see that, you know, um, people who don't look like me, people whose sexual orientation is different from mine, hmm. who gender identity is different from mine, who come from a different country that we can, as a, as a human family partner together. And we're seeing some of that. I mean, one of the things that most struck me, I'm going to end here, is that we had a, a, a protest here in the small city of Rockville that I, on which I serve at city council. It was organized by a, a, a young woman, a high school student. Hmm. Um, and I don't believe she was African-American. Um, and what I saw there was, probably, again, this is a, different environment Rockville is it's only about 10% uh, African American about 17% Latino about uh, 20-30% uh, people from Asian countries is that there were probably just as many non-African American people marching as there were people who were African American people in their 70s uh, Sikhs so people who wear turbans out there with the black light I, I was just inspired like by the mm. people who were coming together and that's what that's what movement's about uh, so I think that, you know, to what is it that, that having family could, will allow us to create, I think, is a better world together with this shared vision. Uh, recognize that there are certainly differences. We, we all come from in, from our own environments that have challenges, some more than others. 
Uh, but if we can get, come together and f- figure out what we have in common to and, uh, to defeat or accomplish a common goal, then, I mean, we will all be the better for it. Sorry, that was long-winded. And, uh, no, 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 that was great. Yeah, yeah that was great. great. That was great. It was multi-layered. I really just and, the notion man. about just being um, being a part of the people, wherever you are. So that's cool. So, David, it's not very often that I can get free advice from a pediatrician. <laughs> so I, I intend to use this opportunity for all it's worth. Um, you know, there was an article in the Washington Post uh, a couple weeks ago talking about the gist of the article was that men don't have health conversations with their sons. Mm. And so a lot of times we, as sons, are not equipped knowing our DNA, Mm. you know, knowing, you know, does high blood pressure run in my family? If so, what does that look like? Or, you know, um, does diabetes, like how did grandpa die? Mm -hmm. You know, um, Mm. we know sugar, but like, tell me more. The sugar. Right. Um, (laughs) So my, my, my question to you is what what are some of the questions that, and it could be fathers or it could be parents in general, what are the questions that we should be asking when we are bringing our kids to, um, for checkups, bringing our kids to doctors? What are the things that maybe people are too shy to ask, but that you wish they did? That's... Uh, um answer that will probably multi-layered in part because the time that we are in Mm. uh, throughout the country we have seen that there has been a decrease in people even going to their primary care provider particularly pediatricians and as Hmm. a result um, you know one of the biggest big concerns we have is is there going to be an outbreak of another infectious disease something that's very transmissible like measles for which we do have immunizations um, mm. So some of the questions that I would wish they, people would ask is like, should I come in? Which, as simple as it sounds, is is, is very powerful in this moment. And I would say certainly uh, at a minimum, calling your pediatrician, check in, particularly as we get ready for school, whatever school will look like in the fall. Uh, a number of children will need school physicals, as it were. Uh, calling your pediatrician and see what sort of setup they have. Uh, where I work, we can do some of these um, visits virtually. And I, I, you know, two, three times out of the week, I'm, I'm working from home, you know, examining or talking with patients and using video to, to do what we can. Uh, keeping in mind that most of what occurs in the, in the pediatric visit is all observation, just seeing how the, the child interacts with the parent, what they do with the book. Is the child well kept? You know, so so a whole lot of it is has has very little to do with a stethoscope or, or what have you, though that has its place. Um, so asking the question, you know, where you're, are you open? Can we come in? And if you're not comfortable with coming in, seeing if there's a uh, another method by which you can get care, even if it's just counseling, which is so important. No, uh, yeah. Specific questions. Um, This is actually interesting, you know, given this time of year in particular. Um, I don't know if any of you all were thrown into a pool as a kid. 
Um, <laughs> right. And this notion that, you know, that some of the stereotypes about, you know, black people in water, we don't swim and, and whatnot. And uh, the, the, the other side of that is to what extent are swimming lessons pre- preventative or do they reduce the likelihood of drowning? Hmm. And the answer is mixed. Uh, so it's not preventative. I had the discussion with my wife. Um, however, there's merit in getting kids accustomed to, to this environment. Uh, anything to promote safety because if if for no other reason they know that they need to for example depending on the age wear a, a life jacket hugely important in terms of of, of safety um other questions i you know I, some of the questions about um should i know who my children's friends are um mm. and to what extent should I um, know more of the intricacies of their relationships? The reason I bring that up is um, prior to taking the, the job I have now, which is primarily outpatient clinical pediatrics, like the person that you would take your child to, uh, I still I worked in emergency departments and still do that on occasional weekends. And I've been surprised by how many kids show up um, for mental health things, oftentimes uh, things related to like self-harm kids who are contemplating mm-hmm. you know, suicide, which as crazy as it sounds is, is real and it, it's rising as a recent article has outlined. Um, what I have, what surprised me is that a, a, so a, a, oftentimes kids are very social in ways that perhaps we weren't even growing up. So that if a child is thinking about harming themselves, they'll often reach out to a friend and say, Hey, I'm having a difficult time. Or they just say some, some trigger word and the friend will contact the, the child's parent and say, Hey, hmm. you know, Mikey said, you know, you know, I'm worried about him. I think he's, he might harm himself. And I can't tell you, like, again, it's been more than a handful of times where, where a, child's friend is, you know, effectively intervened to potentially save a child's life. So to what extent, again, you know, uh, you should know who your child's friends are. It's important. Um, what other questions? Just real quick. I, I didn't know that was an option. Hmm. <laughs> my, my parents was like, look, you can't even look at people. I, I need to know who they are. Mm-hmm. I need to know who their parents are. Yeah. I think yeah. that's that's super important. I think that wow. I, I think the, the 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 perhaps the difference today is that the kids are connected in ways that mm-hmm. again we weren't before, and so yeah. part of the, the the rise in the suicidal uh, these suicidal behaviors among children, I ascribe though the evidence doesn't necessarily support it, is that they have these divide and the bullying is so much different from yeah it's different growing up yeah. like we used to like Joan we call it Joan and they're you know. Doing the yeah. dozens on a kid on the bus, but once you got off the bus or whatever, it was done. It stops. Right? Yeah, <laughs> like you had about an eight, right. twelve hour break till it, you know, got back up. These kids <laughs> are getting it like twenty four seven, and the shaming yeah. is just it's intense. And yeah. so, I, and you don't, I, I don't, I, I hazard to bet that depending on the age of you all, children in particular as they get older, um, and then you know whether or not to ha- we'll talk about having the telephone, like whether or not the kid should have a telephone, and oh, that's a that's oh, another goodness thing. Um, yeah. You know, it's it's important um, to, to, to have these conversations. And while I agree that we should not nece- we should not necessarily be our children's family. We're, we're parents, right? But you mm-hmm. want your kid to be comfortable enough to tell you anything. And how do you how do you thread that needle? I don't know. I have a two year old, so I'm still I'm 
you know, light years behind y'all and, and trying to figure it out. The, the, the guest y'all had last week had a, I believe a teenager, as I recall. Um, yeah. It's probably CJ. more to that. But, um, yeah, how do you, um, monitor kids' relationships, which are, which are super important? Um, any other questions? No. I don't know. Go, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no gonna, you're absolutely right. Go ahead, B. No, I was going to go ahead and say that, uh, David, I was so excited to, to, to see that you were going to be on with us because in hearing that you have a two-year-old, I also have a two-year-old. And um, in, in, in raising a two-year-old, like everything is from scratch. And, you know, we often think about what we won't do as far as pre- preventative measures. But as you know, as times change, those preventative measures could also change too. And so it's like this constant cycle that we are in and we're b- bombarded by so many factors that makes, I, I just feel like raising a toddler right now, I mean, a, a tough, tough, tough job, but we're also expecting um, our second and this one will be a baby girl. And one of the questions that I have for you is, as we think about COVID and its resurgence in the fall, what measures or precautions should we be taking in order to make sure that not only we have a healthy experience, but we're taking the necessary steps before, during, and after? And then uh, part two of that question is, um, as, as a male, what can I do throughout this process to be supportive for, for, for my wife? Those are great, great questions. Cause I, you know, in, in looking back to our birth experience, I, there are things that I can certainly Im- improve upon. Uh, and I'm going to answer those two next. One other thought just occurred to me in terms of questions that you can ask, which is related to this as well, is that we're in the, the COVID season, as you correctly pointed out, and so much of our world is upside down. We haven't encountered an epidemic like this in a hundred years since essentially that 1918 flu. And so the, one of the questions that, you know, I wish people ask is, can I take a break? There are all these recommendations that we have for parents in terms of, you know, no TV time before age two, only two hours thereafter. There's like a checklist of things, a litany of stuff that we put, you know, parents through that's all academically supported. But, you know, the question is, I guess I would wish parents would ask is, can I take a break? And this, mm-hmm. my answer is yes. Like, you know, you you got to figure out how to get through this with your sanity. So if the kid gets a little more TV, do a little more, like whatever. Like we're in unprecedented times. We just, we need parents to survive. So, you know, focusing on self-care is important. Uh, and, and kids will will make it. They're, they're much more resilient than we give them credit for. Transition to your topic about bringing new life into the world. First of all, congratulations. Thank you. Um, huge. I one of the nurses that takes care of babies, uh, so they call them like a, um, depending on the hospital, there are different names for them. But I had to do a training session on how to do essentially CPR for little babies. And she said a quote that I never will forget. She said, every day I get to watch miracles happen. And it's it's mm-hmm. true. Watching a child being born is a, is a true miracle. And, the you know, how do you get to that point? and make it as healthy an experience as possible in the context of COVID uh, certainly puts a new wrinkle on it. But for anybody, um, particularly as you near, you're in that, that final trimester and or you get closer to your due date, I would make sure that you're really 
doing a good job about limiting unnecessary contact with the outside world, uh, yeah. particularly for like that two weeks leading up to. Certainly, you'll have to, you know, get groceries. Uh, your your partner, you know, the woman who's pregnant is is is, is um, relatively immunodeficient. Her immune system is kind of being tamped down, so she's more susceptible to infection than she would otherwise be. Um, so she, you don't want her going out at all. And, and for you as, you know, the partner, you know, just limiting how much you, you, you get out. We are, um, in the DMV region, as I recall, I think you all live in this area and we know that yep. certain areas are starting to open up more like we're going from phase one to phase two. And I think even gyms might start opening up and I can't remember who, 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 one of you all is a gym rat. Remind me who it is. That's really me. Oh, that's Brian. <laughs> yeah. You know, that's so funny. I'll tell you who it is. <laughs> <laughs> we still got to get that, that bike ride in, though, d We're going to make it happen. We yeah, happen. man. Listen. And then we can have some rotisserie chicken. Exactly. You know, you're, you're, or, uh, you're, you're always on, you're always on edge. There like, do I need to jump in? Man, I was. <laughs> I just sat back on that one. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, oh, I mean, man. the things that we want to do that are going to start opening up, but I really would encourage any expectant parent to really limit unnecessary contact, really practice that physical distancing. The reason being is that you don't want to be sick. And, and there was a time when in New York, for example, they weren't, they weren't even allowing the, the, the father to be in a room because they were so worried about Corona related illness. Um, the other thing with that is do not lie. So there was an uh, I believe, mm. I don't know that if there's evidence to support this, that there was one guy whose wife was about to um, uh, deliver and who, you know, lied on the screening test. So wasn't tested for coronavirus initially and later oh. became positive. And then, you know, that exposes the healthcare workers. Now you got to, you know, how many other people will that healthcare worker interact with? And I, I recognize the, the father's desire to be there. But you have to, again, human family, like everybody, we're all family. It's not just my nuclear family. It's like everybody's related. And that's the only way we're going to beat this is together. So we really got to look out for each other. Um, mm. uh, so that's that's the, the, the warm up to it. Just keep yourself as healthy as possible. I like that you are talking about different things that you're going to do to improve your diet. I mean, it's, it's huge. Uh, again, for the, the reasons we outlined previously about the the increased incidence of bad outcomes of, of corona-related illness among African-Americans or people of African descent. Um, the, during the process is, is very important. Um, we, as you correctly pointed out, we know about the statistics be, behind the increased bad outcomes that occur among African-American mothers, like regardless of socioeconomic status mm-hmm. uh, in births, they're more likely to die. I mean, we heard about the, Serena, uh, the, 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 the story about yep. um, Serena Williams, right? Mm-hmm. Who, and thank Beyonce. goodness, she had some medical acumen about herself. She probably saved her own life by asking for a test to test for clots, uh, mm. for which she was at increased risk. So being an advocate, um, I've delivered kids before, you know, in the context of training. But it's, it's so different when you're on the other side. And I'm a dude who's not really, I'm a not a touchy-feely dude. Like, I'm, you know, I'm, I can silo well. But seeing her, uh, my wife, being a level of pain I've never seen her before man my heart mm-hmm. broke I mean, she's a strong like she doesn't she she takes a look and keeps on keeps it moving but i've I never seen her in so much pain and and I, I figured this was part of the process and we we're working and 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 um she was supposed to be getting medication and 
and she had gone on in labor for 19 hours, just straight pushing. Mm. Like it was terrible. And they come to find out the head physician who was African-American come in there, the, our um, uh, obstetrician. She said that that level's not right. Evidently, the nurse didn't know had programmed wow. the machine wrong and she wasn't getting the medication that she wanted. Oh, my God. And the, oh. you could tell that the, the, the physician was, you know, upset. But she she kept it real cool because you don't want to, like, cause a scene exactly. when somebody's about to, you know, bring life into the world. But I felt bad as a as a you know I'm a, a physician by training, but right then I was just a dad, like I was just a partner trying to get her through. I was so focused on her that it didn't even occur to me to like advocate on behalf, of like, hey, something is off. Oh, that's um, so I, I think it's you know you you black women have a tough job, right? Um, you just have to be an advocate to the extent that you can. Um, you, you have the benefit of having been through this once before. So she kind of knows what to expect, mm-hmm. but she says something is off. Like take, like be her advocate, like make them upset. Like you paying for it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, man, you got that bill yeah. after yeah. it was all done. Yeah, so just right. be sure you're a big advocate for her, whatever she needs. Uh, because sometimes, I mean, you, you, you might very well save her life. Like Serena did for herself and advocating mm. for a test that she knew. That she was at risk for those are those are my answers long-winded as they may be to your to your questions no, no great no we no, appreciate perfect. that yeah. perfect perfect i mean it puts a lot of things in context and i'm just glad to just have that recentering of you know it's about both of y'all but when it comes time for you to advocate for her in that room you need to be the loudest coach and cheerleader so yeah. i'm glad that you said that definitely okay Dave, i want to turn the lens on you for for a second. Um, with everything that's going on in the country, um, you know, lots of people are mad, you know, myself included, um, for a, a whole multitude of reasons. And I would imagine that as a a person on the city council, your, your perspective has to be a little bit different, and. But but I think back to a conversation that we had. You know, someone called the police on you while you were just out campaigning. You know, with with your handbills with your face on them, with your, with your ID around your neck. Um, so, in 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 light of your firsthand knowledge um, of how easily um, you can find yourself in a situation with the police, but also being in a position of leadership, what are some of the things that that you're doing to stay centered or, or what are some of the challenges that you're having right now? Uh, excellent question, man. Um, I'll start by saying, I actually don't see it different. Uh, I think you led by, you okay. know, I might see it different now that I'm in a um, uh, public servant actively serving. I think that's perhaps the trap that some um, public servants who then become politicians uh, transition into. I think you okay. have to rec- stay, stay, um, true to yourself. And this has always felt wrong, which, I mean, perhaps I took a bit of a risk, you know, documenting this experience I had. And I had on scrubs that day. I had just left the emergency room working, had my hospital badge, and somebody called the cops on me knocking doors, man. Uh, it was heartbreaking. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it was a day that I could have been spending with my daughter, right, who was learning to walk. I, I missed so many milestones, Um while campaigning and it, it left me in a difficult spot. Like, why do I want to sacrifice for this community who is liable to get me killed out here? Just trying to, you know, work on behalf to improve the community for these people. Um, 
So that, that that's never that's never left me. And however, um, it's it's wild. I'm 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 actually in a state of euphoria as 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 it's, it's not macabre or morbid, but I think that the larger society has finally seen what we've seen all along. Like there's something that is fundamentally wrong that devalues black. Like we're not even worth twenty dollars, man. You know mm. what I mean? This awakening came for me. I lived in New York for a, a little bit, and there was a, a killing of a guy, a murder of a guy, Sean Bell, who was oh, yeah, like the night man. before his, yeah. his, his, his bachelor party. Was his wedding. Yeah, a bachelor party. That's right. That's right. I, I misspoke. Yeah. And it, it just tore me to the core. That's when I had my, my first, my awakening, because, you know, that could have been me. And there were other cases that went on. And Bloomberg was the mayor at the time. And he's like, you just have to accept the verdict that, that, that was rendered. The cops got off. Um, uh, as as per usual, and I was like, absolutely not. I'm not accepting this. This is mm-hmm. not right. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, 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 I tell, like I had, I went to a, a very difficult spot. It's the first time I ever saw it personally. Um, you know, counseling because I, it's like I, I couldn't. I was in grad school, and it was it was very tra- it was a very traumatic moment. Not that, mm-hmm. but the fact that I, I think I was sharing with y'all. I was riding my bicycle home from lab, a bicycle. And had an uh, inter- interaction with police who essentially said I should be riding on the sidewalk. It's like, no, nah, I'm supposed to be in the street because it's legal right. on the sidewalks. And they put me in the back of the car for, you know, you know, standing up for myself. And I never told them I was a student at Yale. You know, it didn't matter because this is how they treat yeah, people who sh- look like You shouldn't me. have to. Yeah, you shouldn't exactly, have to. Exactly. Exactly. And I just got in a difficult spot with that. And, that, and, that, and then I kind of saw the futility. Not the futility. I think, I think grad school has its place, but it wasn't the right use of, of, of my skills. Um, uh, I think I shared, the first time I met D-Dan was back in April of 2010. I think he was reading an Octavia Butler book at the time. I don't know if it was Kendrick <laughs> or something else. And I was yep. trying to figure out at that time, which was atypical. I was in med school, but I had taken time off. I essentially dropped out of grad school to work on a hill because I figured out this would be a way to to find what skill set works best for me. I, and I shared with him at the time, I had finished the Gordon Parks book, A Choice of Weapons, right? You had to figure out what, what, what your weapon going to be to, to defeat mm. the, 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 the enemy, as it were. And this, in this instance, it's, it's this, this system that, that devalues black life. Um, and that's what led me to Capitol Hill and try to figure out on what side of the table I wanted to be. Do I want to be the one, you know, meeting with the constituents and bringing the information to the, to the person who makes the decision or do I want to make the decision? Um, to better and I and after working in various capacities, it, it became clear to me that each elected official won't necessarily make the call that I would make, and the type of world I, I envision will nece- necessitate that I'm I'm that person making the decision with with being well informed. So that's what led to the path. And how do I stay focused in this time now that I'm in a position to you know make change to hopefully improve this world? Uh, at a minimum for black people, for everybody, because, you know, good police is good police for everybody. Um, I think the the second part of the question I'll end there is like, how do I stay sane? Um, and I'll, I'll be frank. So people have asked if if I've watched the video of George Floyd, I said, no, I can't do it. Mm -hmm. I can't do it. Um, and you've seen it a million times. Exactly. Like, I don't need to to see it to confirm. And it's, it's triggering for me personally. Uh, Mm -hmm. I don't want to go back to where I was back in 06, you know, sitting in the back mm-hmm. of that car, and I just was in a difficult spot. You know, I couldn't, I couldn't function uh, because it, it seemed like the the rules of society had, had weren't, weren't working. Right? Mm. Cops should not be 
you know, like I knew that this example, but I had a firsthand experience of it where cops weren't doing what they were supposed to do. And so, you know, to say saying, so there's certain things I just won't do. I just won't watch the video. Like I, I, I know what I need to know. Uh, right. And then I'll focus on those things I have control over. I, I have no, I have very, I have next to little influence of what happened at 1600 Pennsylvania Ave. Um, <laughs> you know, when I was, when I was, when I met the Dan, we were working, you know, I was an intern at the time working in Capitol Hill and I, you know, I was blinded by the grandeur and, and apparent power, but, you know, I thought, you know, maybe running for Congress, but to be one of one well, 435 in this context, it, it wouldn't be a good use of my time or skill set. So I'm happy mm. to be where I'm at now. And, you know, working on those things that I can't have um, influence upon. And one of the main things is my own health. You know, I'm careful about what I put into my brain. So that's why I don't watch certain things. I don't have cable, so I'm not watching the news cycle. I, you know, I, I read the papers I want to read and read the articles because I, I just have to be careful with what I, what I put in. Uh, there, there are certain people I just don't listen to. I try to eat right. Uh, you know, I've been vegetarian since, shoot, 03. Um, I exercise. I mean, I, 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 I miss the gym. I'm a gym rat too. Uh, yeah, and I was doing yeah, everything yeah. in my power to like, can I sneak in? You know what I mean? What I see. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> um, but I really got, exactly. Yeah. I got back in something I was really into before, which was uh, cycling. So I do uh, long distance stuff. So I get about a hundred miles a week. Um, oh, wow. Just riding. Um, and then as my, as my man says, the prison workout. So push up, sit ups at the crib. And I've actually lost weight. I'm back down to about my high school weight almost. Um, oh wow nice and those are the things that that keep me like i'm just being in the outdoors breathing the air being on a bike is really cool it's, it's really liberating because i'm just by myself in my own in my own moment it gives me time to to get away and kind of decompress that's a long way to answer once again and i apologize now these are all great man these are all great yeah. responses man so you, i wanted to you, oh, now nah, y'all just skipped me twice you <laughs> Um, you you have a you have a lot going on. Um, you you're you're wearing a lot of different hats, and um, I know people are often thinking, you know, one two steps ahead. I know right now there are a lot of people who possibly aren't uh, just because of COVID and not really knowing what's going on. But I'm just wondering, at this stage of your life, are there? Do you find yourself at any crossroads either with um, like family or work? To be honest, um, not really. This is the first time since I was first thrown in the back of that police car that things are starting to make sense. Like, this is what the struggle was all about. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there were multiple crossroads that led up to this point, you know, like the decision to join the military, um, you know, in the context of a war of which I had, you know, concerns about. Uh, decision to take certain jobs, um, you know, decision, you know, if to run and when, if the family's going to be okay with it. But now I'm, I'm actually good. I am. I mean, there are multiple hats, but I mean, at the end of the day, in a perfect world, what I would do is actually see patients. I, I won't have anything to do with politics, man. And once, once we've, Solve all the problems. That's what I'll do. <laughs> but now, oh, I mean, you know, once, that's we, once all? we make <laughs> some significant, okay. you know, uh, inroads into addressing some of the major challenges, man, I'm I'm happy to just kick back and, and focus because, you know, one of the things that, you, you know, your previous guest CJ talked about was like leaning into these moments, 
right? The, the why stage or what have you, because you, you, you won't see it again. And I regret, I mean, my, my, I guess my crossroads was, you know, when, when they called the cops on me and I was out can you know, canvassing the neighborhood I brought D Dan to, man, I, I need to, I need to give you extra Wendy's breakfast sandwiches or something for that one. Um, <laughs> now we'll get on the bikes and, and work it off. But, um, uh, is, is, um, you know, there were moments like my daughter was, you know, around one years old and y'all know the, the amount of development that occurs. That's, you know, going from standing to walking to running, putting together sentences. First time she said mom or dad, um, yeah, that that it was hard to figure out. Like it was, you know, when when I when the cops got caught, did I make the right decision by running? Is it worth it? Right? Mm. Is it? I mean, it could very well. I, I you know, I, I I remember when when the when the cop came in. Thankfully, the cop was cool. He recognized the, the foolishness of the call. But when he asked me, you know, what are you doing out here? I reached in my back pocket to grab my leaflets. Oh, yeah. You know, oh, right, reach into your back pocket in front of a cop. Like that could have been it. That could have been curtains. Yeah, yeah. Like I could not have. Huh. I, I, there's a possibility I would not have made it home that night, and would it have been worth it? Like I don't know. Like I'm glad I'm here mm. today, but man, I, 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 that was that was that was a, that was a significant crossroads. I, but I, I knew that this 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 thing that we were fighting for a, a better society, a better world, is bigger than me. It's not about me. It's not about you know you know that difficult situation I was in back to you know when I was back in the police car. Each time I hear about another person, particularly African American male. Or female dying at the hands of police that where it takes me to, it's not about the distress I feel it's about you know what I was put here to do yeah. um, and, and trying to you know go back to that is helpful and I apologize Dan. there was one other thing that I'm doing to, to kind of maintain sanity it's taking a you know I, I, I try to on a regular basis reflect back upon where I'm at and kind of hold myself accountable to like these goals I set out part of it's going through I don't journal like you do Dan. I'm not that I'm not that with it, man. I'm not that literary. As you can see, I, can't, I don't even talk right. But I did start keeping just a, a, a collection of thoughts ever since I st- first start thinking about doing, you know, entering public service. And one of those things is like reflecting upon conversations we had. So, again, that's why I know is April of 2010 when we were talking about running for office. Um, and I, had, I literally just have the notes. I review those four times a year. It takes me about two and a half days to get through all those notes that I've made. And it's kind of a kind of mm-hmm. accountability agent. And on, on a weekly basis, I just go through my personal goals I have for myself. Uh, they're spiritual, they're work related, family related, and make sure I'm holding myself accountable. And that's how I stay centered and grounded throughout all the the nonsense that that currently surrounds us. I'll say this: it sounds like you're walking in your purpose, and that's that's just really inspiring. With everything that you have going on, to be at a stage where. Uh, you feel like you're in step with who you are and what you're trying to achieve. Um, it's, that's beautiful. I admire it. But I don't have it all figured out, man. I will say the one thing I, I was telling you, I kind of got in trouble with the wife just prior to this start, man. We are, um, so we're relatively older parents um, and we got married, like like everything happened at the same time. And because my wife won't necessarily get on my case for this. So I think this is something we should talk about, though, is advanced maternal age. Um, many of us are having to delay having kids, particularly ladies. And I, and I know that there are ladies who listen to this podcast. You know, it's hard to just, you know, to get established. You got to get education, you got to get a job. And you look up, you're 30, 35, and it's like, yo, what's, what's going on? So, like, advanced maternal age is real. 
Mm. After age 35, the in, the, you have an increased likelihood of having babies born with a variety of things, you know, Down syndrome as uh, the most most common. And we were 40 at the time or 30, you know, late 30s, early 40s. So, you know, there was a lot of pressure on after after we got together, it was like, well, if we want to have kids, we got to do it now. And but we still hadn't figured ourselves out. Right. Like everything happened in quick succession. Moved her from New York, pregnant, married, kid. And and we we are, man, that's the that's the one part of my life that I'm still figuring. Well, we're still trying to figure out how we work uh well together. The the adage of or the the example of uh building a plane while flying. And that's something that we're 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 still working on. We are uh we we've gone back to doing our devotional. Like we, you know, some people use like our, your previous guest, CJ, was a, a counselor, right? He's starting to be a counselor. Family therapist. Family therapist. Yeah. So we, uh, in lieu of, you know, all this going with COVID, mm-hmm. uh, we're trying to just work on a, on the marriage. So doing a little reading once a week and coming back and checking in so that we can improve upon this thing. Um, so we're, we're still figuring that out. So it's interesting. It's something that, uh, um, that she started, she was looking at before. I mean, she was at a point in her life where she didn't think she was getting married. I mean, she was like 30s established. She had a nice government job. Like she was set living in Harlem, had a brownstone. Like she was, she was good. Um, and then when we got together, she was like, there was all these things about um, being married. I think most most of the things that she was reading had a religious bent to them, and even the the, the, the devotions that were read continue to have be written primarily by people of faith, but they they have lessons that are apl- applicable to everybody. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's something we do together. We're on a third book. We do like a chapter a week. We read it and see, you know, what passages we highlighted, talk about them, what they meant to us, um, and then. That the process of continuing the one the one we're reading now is becoming married. It's, it's kind of similar to the Michelle Obama book that we came out before. Hmm. This notion that you're never married, you're always becoming something. You're something you're working on. Yeah, and I think that's true. That's, um, that's so I certainly do that personally, but we're trying to do that with the marriage as well. You know, I would love to be able to talk to you offline because I hear a lot of parallels in not only your story and your experiences, you know, with police, but also in just the married, married, married life as well. I wanted to kind of point the, the, the camera back at you are in many different environments and you bring the best of yourself in, in all of these environments, but given the mental strain, the emotional strain of what is happening to black men and women, we are still forced to show up. And it's difficult for our white counterparts to understand that we can't always provide deliverables when we just saw a lynching. And so how do you show up in these spaces, given that you have to go ahead and put that tie on and face the world as, 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 as David, but on the inside, um, you know, it, it's much more complex than just being David. So how do you show up? That's a very good question. One of my, classmates who um, I haven't heard from in years. I just try to reach out to people uh, like D-Dan, hit him up, you know, several times just just to check in. Um, he's a pretty established in, in what he does. And he said, how do you, he asked the exact same question you asked. Um, and, I, and I responded, it wasn't glib, but it was true. I, I said, devil consciousness is tiring. You know what I mean? It's, mm. it's exhausting. And what I've tried to do, and I'm still working on, is just try to be in environments that allow me to be my true self. Um, so, I mean, there's a lot of 
people, society thinks that physicians just make a boatload of money. And that's like, there's some spe- subspecialties that do, but pediatricians don't. Like, we, we're not raking in the bucks. But I, I chose to go in that specialty because it's something I was passionate about. And it, it's something that allows me to, 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 to be more of my true self than other subspecialties. Uh, I tro- chose to live where I live because it allows me to to kind of be my true self. Although, as you as as was pointed out, like you know, I I can't even knock doors in certain neighborhoods. Though where I live currently is it, it's cool. Um, where I work is a lot more diversity. Uh, so I I I, I now work uh, back as a as a civilian for the government. So I, I see you know I take care of children of active duty service members. Um, and within government, as many of y'all know, living in this area, there's much more diversity than there perhaps is in the, in the, in the private side, particularly in the military, there's a little more of a meritocracy. So, you know, there, there are definite, um, check marks that you allow you to progress. And I can't tell you how many like, uh, senior Officers, so this, these are people who are called like O six, like you'd be your your um, Navy captains or your colonels. That were that after, like it's 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 inspiring to be around these people, recognizing that there we can't be our full set. But it's a, a lot like when when I come to work and I'm having a difficult day, there are people who look like me around who understand. I guess mm. is what I'm saying. So I've tried to put myself in. So part of that though is I recognize. So I'm, I'm making much less money than I would have made in the, on the on the private side, but. Am I happier? Yes. And there's something to be said for just being happy, you know, being content. The fact that I can do these bike rides, that the fact that I have a more predictable schedule. Um, when I was working in the emergency room, it was like I was at the mercy of, of, of the people I showed up for. And in the current environment, and you all may have seen some of this. I mean, there are physicians who hours are getting cut, you know, emergency rooms. And so you're less likely in, in certain private environments, particularly as we're entering increased unemployment, the ability to speak of being your true self is like, do you want to do that and, and put your job at risk? And, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm fortunate now to be in a position where I, I, I can just be my myself in a way that I couldn't be if I was working for a private company that's worried about their bottom line. And, you know, I'm not going to show there with my, my fist in the air or what have you. Um, so I guess I, I, I guess I, I, I'm just been I've been trying to be very thoughtful about the, the positions I take places I live and people I surround myself with most importantly so I can continue to be my true self because again double double consciousness is exhausting David man we just again wanted just to congratulate you on your your two-year-old and thank you for being a part of the podcast man yeah I appreciate y'all having me here I I felt that I've talked too much as I've no, as a listener I've gotten no. so much out of hearing you all speak the last thing I'll say is that you all remind me a lot of my younger brother um, in terms of your approach to marriage. I learned so much from him. Keep doing the great work that you all doing. Thank you for allowing me to be a part. Um, yeah, I'll keep listening. Well, I'll we say this, it. just like we told CJ, you know, now that you've been on the show, you're a part of the family. True. We 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 intend to to hear your story and your you know progress. When you do get to that crossroads, we want to know. <laughs> <laughs> all of that definitely. man definitely yeah and we also want to be there too i mean the thing about the dad jeans crew is that we're a community and being that we are black dads to know that there are other black men out there that have questions and insight uh we wanted 
this to be a spot where you can come and we can come to you too. So just know that, share it with your peoples. Um, and <clears throat> as we wrap up the, the podcast, I did want to say that um, our awesome, super, super duper Dadan uh, got kicked off in its technical difficulties. That's, 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 that's this thing called technology. So uh, I, we hope that we can just do it as awesome as he does it. But um, what is going, what's giving us inspiration these days? So Harris, I'm going to come to you, man. What's, what's, what's giving you inspiration these days? You know, honestly, right now it's, it's funny when you say honestly, and it's like, well, do you be lying to us? Anyway, <laughs> right now. <laughs> I don't want to hear, what, I want to hear what you got to say. Go ahead. All right, right, right. As y'all can tell, I'm the neurotic one, but um, <laughs> being able to have this community, um, you know, as soon as David jumped on today, uh, you know, just that excitement to to be a part of this just shows we're we're doing something right. And um, you know, my wife listens to the show. The feedback has been wonderful. So um, I'm gonna keep it internal and just say um, this community that we're building uh, it's 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 doing very well for me. And um, I plan to keep keep it going. And everybody keep listening. Keep giving us your feedback. Thank you, man. And David, I have to ask you, man, what's what's giving you inspiration as you look towards the week ahead? Sounds cheesy, but you all, man, um, were there are a lot of like again, society has really impressed me about how they are starting to wake up to the reality that we knew all along. But the fact that you all persist, that you all are taking pride in being fathers, that you all are trying to help others. And that y'all show that there's there's more than one type of way to do it, man. It's beautiful. Um, so just keep keep doing the, doing this work. It's so important to people that again, more important than you all may know. And that's what's up. And I thank you for sharing that. <clears throat> and the last thing I want to end with is is a quick story. So I'm sitting upstairs doing some work, and and Fiza calls me downstairs, and it's sort of like a, a panic. Uh, call. So I rush downstairs and she says, do you know what your son just said? And I'm like, uh, no, because I was upstairs. <laughs> but she said, what are we listening to right now? And it was it was Sam Cooke, Bring It On mm. Home. And she said, I was just sitting down here and the song just came on and your son said, that's Sam Cooke. Wow. And I paused for a second because I was like, that no, that there's no way in this world that that happened. You had to say, Alexa, play Sam Cooke. She said, no, he just knew that that was Sam Cooke. And we've probably played that song less than 10 times in his two years of being on this earth. But then fast forward, last night, as Fiza fell asleep, um, I put a small speaker by her stomach and just started to continue to play the music that we played when, when Nas was, was inside. And I just sort of just had this moment of, man, I am gifting my children with this music and music tells stories. And I know that my dad loves Sam Cooke and it just touched me. And so as we think about fatherhood, you never know what seeds you are planting that will grow into connecting you with those that you love the most. And so I just wanted to go ahead and again, thank our illustrious and wonderful guest councilman, Dr. Miles, 
um, you know, <laughs> Dave, if you have people that you want to connect us or touch us with, um, you know, we will do our best to connect with them because we would love to have this be a platform for, for everyone. Um, we love hearing from our listeners. And if you agree or disagree with anything that we said, you know, please hit us up at our email at info at dadjeanspodcast.com. That is info at dadjeanspodcast.com. And you can find us on Instagram, Facebook at dadjeanspodcast. Uh, Harris, anything else? Five star review. Five. That's how you feel. Five star. Man, five. That's currency. That's currency for, for us. Give for the it. culture. Man, give it. <laughs> I'm going to bully you. I, I'm, I'm being them gems. I'm, I, I want them five star. No, that's toxic. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I love no, y'all. No, take it back. Take, <laughs> take it back. Take it. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm not afraid to apologize. <laughs> but no, for real, everybody, listen, we love you. Stay safe. Stay sane. And we'll be up with you guys next time. Peace. For sure. Peace. Peace.